Prospect Pipeline. Hello, everyone, and welcome into our first episode of Prospect Pipeline. Pretty much the same stuff that we've done the last couple of years, but under a new name here on the Flyers Broadcast Network as part of our huge new family of podcasts. We hope you've had a chance to check them all out at flyersbroadcastnetwork.com. If you haven't, bounce on over there and uh, take a look and see what you think. But uh, we've got a lot of great things going on here at uh, philadelphiaflyers.com. I'm Brian Smith. I'm joined by Bill Meltzer, who is our resident expert on everything going on with the Flyers in the system as far as the uh, American Hockey League and uh, the amateur leagues are concerned. And we are well overdue for a check-in on uh, on all of these things. So, uh, Bill, we'll just uh, get started with the, the main one that has affected the Flyers as of late, Morgan Frost coming back to the National Hockey League after uh, another stint in the American Hockey League that saw him represent the Phantoms at the All-Star Game and uh, have a pretty good run overall. And I know with, uh, we've had a chance to catch up with him a little bit and kind of get his thoughts on, on what it's like coming back this time. Uh, t- tell us about his second round if you will with the phantoms and uh, what, what if anything looked different for his game well statistically you know morgan was not as hot offensively as he was during the uh first stem of the phantoms before he was called up um really he went down there to work on some different things though um you know the the reason why morgan went down had nothing to do with uh the number of goals you know games that have been since he'd scored a goal or, or whatever everybody knows his ice vision, everybody knows his hands, everybody knows his ability to score. Morgan went down to work on some specific details. Um, Number one being his uh, pacing of play, keeping his feet moving consistently. Number two being reactions after he loses the puck, Um, you know, just going to the right places, general play without the puck, and just, um, you know, just, just just those basic areas, protecting the puck a little bit better, a little bit of decision making things, Um, you know, even even right up to the point he was sent down, except for maybe that last game, which uh, was the game right after Christmas, you know, Morgan played, you you would always see something in every game, a flash of brilliance here or something there. It's never been a question of that. Um, Those were the things that Morgan went down to work on. Uh, The results were truthfully a little bit mixed, but um, right before the AHL All-Star break, he had a a really nice three-game surge. Um, both offensively and the other side of the puck. Uh, then the the Phantoms had a, uh, a road trip leading into the All Star break, and uh, Morgan was was recounting some of what went into the so, into that road trip leading into the uh, his trip to the All Star game. Uh, the Phantoms had two games in Providence in three days, and then they had a game in Hartford. And the very next day, uh, so he's already played three games in, in four days. The very next day, he had to be in California. So they'd bust back from, um, I believe, Hartford to Allentown, gets in uh, Allentown something like 2 or 3 in the morning, had a cup of coffee, went to the airport, had to fly out in the morning, went out to California. So that's the very next, the very next morning. They, he's out there for the uh, skills competition, the All-Star, the All-Star game the day after that, which, of course, they play like the NHL does, a three-on-three format, and then right back to Allentown again. So his, his All-Star break was condensed down to maybe a day or two. And then right back at it again to play. So um, his first game back, understandably, was a pretty rough one. Um, I think anybody would still be feeling the effects of that. And then he had a pretty good game. His second game actually won. Scott Gordon said maybe his best all-around game as a phantom. And then back up here. Um, and, you know, up here his role is going to be a little different than it was the first time around. First time around, 
You know, in his NHL debut, he finds himself centering um, Claude Giroux and Travis Konechny. Um, now he's on the, on the third line, so it's uh, it's a little bit different. I, it's a it's a process for him. He's uh, you know I, I think that he's made good steps overall, and and, and it's just continuing it. And and um, you know when I talked to him earlier today, he was talking about how some of some of the challenges, you know, not just knowing what you have to do, but so that you're not thinking about it constantly. Okay, what do I do next? You're reading and reacting. It's just committing stuff that he's learned to you know to habit. So it's. Uh, you know, I, I think that for a 20-year-old, he's, he's not in a bad place at all. You, you touched on a little bit, Bill. A lot of folks, I think, see some of these guys come up, and, and if they don't score every game or they go a week without a goal or something like that, you start to worry about them. And uh, folks, I think, might get a little bit of a, a twisted perspective on what it takes for a player to be NHL ready. I know that Joel Farabee, for instance, at the start of the year, uh, did everything but score in the in the preseason, and then uh, went to Lehigh Valley for that reason because that's what he needs to do is finish to be effective in the National Hockey League. He went down there, worked on that. He comes up here; he's been great uh, just about ever since. But for a lot of players, you, you mentioned it; it's not goal scoring. And uh, I know we talked about specifically what some of the things Frost has done. But what what are some of the things that are kind of common for young players to need to work on? at the American League level before coming to the National Hockey League that don't involve scoring goals? A lot of it is just small details. Um, you know, Joel Farabee went through a, a pretty long stretch where he wasn't putting any points up. Why did he stay in the NHL? He stayed up in the NHL because the other details were solid, not just uh, getting in on the forecheck, but uh, when, you know, when there's an opportunity to chip a puck out of the fences on sometimes just a simple little play. Um, you know, a lot of times young players, particularly if they're not scoring, will start to press. They'll, they'll you know, they'll uh, become anxious if they're, you know, whenever the puck is on their stick. And a guy like Farabee doesn't do that. Um, you know, it's really, it's really just a, a lot of that, particularly play without the puck, the spots that you go to, the routes that you take. Um, in some cases, it could be your, you know, your work along the walls, teaching a guy how to use his feet to protect the puck. Um, you know, it really, for defensemen, it's uh, their, their footwork. It's not always necessarily, you know, going, going north-south up and down the ice. Sometimes it's, it's their footwork in defending plays, the gaps that they keep. Um, those are all things that, um, you know, that you see young players working on. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of knowing when, when you can and can't make a play. Um, you know, we see, we see that as a work in progress, even, even with a guy like Travis Sanheim, who's been in the league a few years. And uh, I think Travis, uh, you know, for the most part lately, has been in a really good stretch. Um, Phil Myers is still very much working on things. He's working on them up here now rather than at the AHL level. But, I mean, it's really really a lot of attention to detail stuff because you're not going to be able to, in the professional level at least, you're not going to be able to, you know, dictate the play on a regular basis. So you're going to have to learn how to play without the puck. You're going to have to learn how to – turn defense and offense in a lot of cases you can't cheat out of the zone as much just just uh, you know a lot of those things if you're going to be a guy who's going to kill penalties um that's a the way you kill penalties at, at the junior level is is a whole different thing and again i'll use frost as the example he had 19 shorthanded points the last couple of years in, in the ontario league but you can't kill penalties that same way in the nhl you're not looking to dart into the zone and create a breakaway if you look at a lot of the you know a lot of the shorthanded rushes for example that um kevin hayes has had these aren't plays where he's cheating. He's actually making a defensive play, and then the opportunity arises from the defensive play you make rather than 
you know, rather than treating as, as if it's a, a stretch pass kind of thing. So it's, um, you know, I think that it takes pretty much all young players time to learn that. Hayes being a guy said that he came into the league as an offensive guy and, uh, you know, through a lot of tough love, sometimes kicking and screaming, A.V. made a 200-foot player out of him. And that process rarely happen, happens overnight. It usually takes a few years. So looking at some of the other players that are still with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and uh, looking to make that jump, one guy that's been of interest as of late has been Isaac Ratcliffe. He's uh, got 12 points on the air, but he scored in clumps. He had a great start to the season, had three points in his first six games, didn't get anything for a while, three points in four games in the month of November, and then after being kept off the board uh, throughout most of December and into January, he started to pick back up again after the new year, and he's got goals now in, in two straight. Uh, what, what, uh, what, what's his game been like, and does it look like he is starting to uh, you know, perhaps pick some things up for some more consistency? Yeah, for, certainly. And uh, you know, uh, part, of, part of the long stretch without any points, uh, now towards the end of it he was moving back up in the lineup again, but he, he spent a significant part of the first half of the season uh, on the fourth line, and we were talking about learning details. Um, you know, with uh, with Isaac, there was so much he could do in junior hockey because he's just so much bigger than everybody else. Um, and while he's still bigger than a lot of guys, you know, these are savvy players at the pro level. So there's not nearly as many things you can get away with. Um, learning to learning play along the boards that was a big thing. Going into the corners, winning those fifty fifty puck battles. Um, Puck management was, was a really big thing uh, with Ratcliffe. He um, was turning a lot of pucks over early in the season. And, um, you know, it's something that Scott Gordon and, and um, you know, Kerry Huffman have worked on with him. And, and uh, it's been a pretty long process. You can see things really even before the goal started coming. Things started clicking with him. Where you see him winning more battles, turning few, fewer pucks over, seeing some time on the penalty kill. And um, just getting to the getting to those areas, you know, the greasy areas as, as they call them, you know, uh, below the dots and between the dots where most goals are scored. And um, you know, he he's been rewarded with goals in back to back games. Really could have had more than one uh, in the Phantoms' most recent game. The loss to Hershey almost tied the game up in the third period. Had a good chance also in the first period as well. Um, at some point, it's going to click with him, and you'll see him start to score in some bunches. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think that the it's the the overall game. Uh, I don't think Isaac is a guy who's going to be we'll see in the NHL this season. Hopefully, by sometime, you know, the middle of next season, he'll be in a in a solid enough groove where you okay, maybe you know, maybe he's ready for his first look up here. Uh, you know, for a lot of times for power forward types, bigger players, it takes them a little bit longer than certain other types of players. And it's a, I said, it's a, a pretty long process. But if you look where, if you look where Isaac was back in September, October, compared to where he is now, he's he's really come a long way, and hopefully carries that through the season. And then we'll see, you know, uh, a year from now. One thing you mentioned about Ratcliffe is what I think a lot of players go through in moving from, especially Canadian juniors to uh, to the pros, is that they do have to quickly get used to not being able to do a lot of the things yeah. that they did in junior. And that's why you see some of these guys that uh, put up 116 points in 50 games it rarely translates to the AHL or NHL level. And I think that's probably a fairly constant thing that pro teams have to deal with is, uh, you know, and they're probably getting better at it is telling some of these guys what to, uh, what to expect when they get to the pro game and what they're going to be able to do and what they're not going to be able to do. Yeah. And certainly also with Canadian juniors in a lot of cases, because they're, 
you know, the, there's pros and cons of every development path. And no one path is right for every player. You know, in, in Canadian juniors, you do have more games under your belt. Um, but it's not, it's not nearly as structured as it is, you know, like a lot of the collegiate players are very well-schooled players and some, some kids are a little bit older too. Um, so when they turn pro, a lot of these guys are a little bit more physically mature. Um, and they're a little bit more schooled in, in the kind of play that you have, um, you know, at the, in the pro game, um, in the junior level, as I said, there's, there's a lot of things you can get away with. If you're like frost with his hands and his ice vision, you know, Morgan could slow the play down, stop his feet moving, survey his options, and either speed up again or, or make a play. Isaac could just uh, go to a spot, and uh, you know nobody could move him out of that spot. And he was playing with a really good playmaker too. Um, you know, last year in Guelph, so the puck would the puck would get to him, and he'd have uh, you know time time to release his shot. That's another thing too, where you don't have nearly as much time and space. Shots get blocked a lot more at the pro level. Um, guys know how to. You know, get stick position on you. Just, just lift your stick. You know where where you think you have time and space. That space and time disappeared you very quickly, and that's a that's a huge adjustment for really for any junior player. And we could go right on down the line of the young fans players or guys in their first and second years. They've all been through it. One of the things that uh, kind of benefits uh, the other players when injuries crop up is the opportunity for them to to kind of uh, jump in and make an impression, move up the ladder a little bit, and uh, that is one thing that happened recently with the Flyers' goaltending situation when Carter Hart went out for a few weeks with that lower abdominal strain. Alex Lyon comes up and does an admirable job at the NHL level, and that's a domino effect at the goaltending position. So as a result, uh, the the, uh, Phantoms were able to take a look at uh, the two prospect goaltenders that are with the Reading Royals for the most part this year, Felix Stanstrom and Kirill Ustamenko. And for Ustamenko, it was his first AHL appearance uh, over uh, the past weekend, and pretty pretty good one for him. Uh, 38 saves, 41 shots. Yep. Uh, a, a good look at uh, perhaps what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah, he's a, he's a very exciting prospect. Um, you know, you, you expect goalies to take longer than any other position. The guys like Carter Hart who come in and they're – you know, a couple months in the American League, and they're ready for the NHL. Really few and really far between. Uh, Carter was just a you know a, an exceptionally advanced player, um, and you can you know even even a guy like Carter, you know he's still he's still adjusting to certain things too. Um, you know, with with Ustamenko, um, first experience in North American hockey, didn't you know didn't really speak almost any English this past fall. Um, he's making some making some progress in that. But just uh, just his overall just his overall approach and game is really exciting to watch. Um, you know, if you compare him to Sandstrom, who's a few years older and had pro experience playing in Sweden before he came over, I would say I would say Sandstrom is more the classic technical goaltender. Um, Ustamenko is uh, can be very acrobatic. He's very athletic. Um, he's really good in breakaways. You know, and sometimes you have those those broken plays where a goalie has to make a desperation save. He has a knack for coming up with those, um, you know, and he'll battle for those second and third saves. Um, I mean, Sandstrom has a really good, you know, compete level as well. Dif- different different kinds of goalies, but, um, you know, but with Usamenko having just turned 21 years old, so he's still really on the, on the young side for a, a goalie prospect. And really he came over with no KHL experience. He went right from Russian juniors to to the minor leagues over here, which is a huge jump. 
and really he made the you know he made a transition that's extremely difficult uh, that really should have taken a whole year in the in the ECHL. You know, it took him maybe six eight weeks to where he was really one of the really top young goalies in the in the um, ECHL. Um, is he ready right now for regular AHL duty? Probably not, but he but he showed that he could come up and you know win a game for win a game for the Phantoms and there's there's all sorts of promise. I mean, a year from now maybe he'll be seeing more regular time in the American League, and that's uh, you know somebody had asked me on on Twitter, what's the long term plan? Is it to trade him? And I said, well, you no, know, the long term plan is to develop him. You know, you because uh, you never know what can happen. Uh, obviously, Carter Hart is the future and as the is the present as well. But just things happen sometimes, and if an opportunity arises, and Ustamenko is at a point where he's ready, maybe you know, maybe he will be a guy who will get a look up here, or maybe you know, maybe the future will be somewhere where he's a he's an asset that you move somewhere else. But you never you never think in those terms as, oh well, we have the goalie, we you know, we have our goalie of the future. We don't even have to worry about developing anybody. You're always looking to develop. You can never have too much depth in the system. And Ustamenko is a guy who's really taken a big step this year. So looking at the Phantoms as a whole, it has been a challenging season down there because of injuries. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, the, the team itself had its own injuries for a good part of the first half of the season. And then after that, uh, the Flyers' injuries started to pull players yeah. away from them. Uh, what, what's the overall situation with the Phantoms, and what do they have uh, ahead of them here for the, uh, the rest of this AHL season? Well, as they started to get some bodies back, they started winning again. They just had a, they had a homestand, a five-game homestand, which they swept, um, and three of those wins were by shutout. Um, a little bit, they've had a tough time on the road this season. I, I actually think it's even more dramatic than it's been with the, uh, the Flyers. Some of it has to do with the timing of those games. A lot of the, those road games fell when the fans were just riddled with injuries, and and uh, you know, right now, a cha- right now, it's a little bit of a challenging situation again, just because Frost is up here. Uh, Rubsov took a puck to the face the other day. It sounds like he might be out for a while. Um, they do have some guys who are coming back. Carson Swarinski, I think, is going to come back in about a week or so. Last I heard, and uh, Pascal LeBerge, who was on a nice. In a nice little scoring groove, um, was healthy for a little stretch of time. Unfortunately, he went down again, so he's out for a little bit longer. He, he's about another week or so away. Um, you know, the Phantoms at, at this point, it's realistically going to be a long shot for them to get in the playoffs, um, just because of how far down they were in the standings in December and January. Wins were really hard to come by for a while. Goals were, you know, the fans would get down one to nothing. Like, how are we going to score two tonight? It was just, it was just really tough you know, on the offensive side of the puck. So, you know, it, it's really they've, – they've played a lot better. Um, like to see them, you know, continue to play well from here on out. Um, and I think that's really what you're looking for from the team this season. How do the young players continue to develop? And what does that translate to for how the team as a whole is playing rather than really, you know, looking at the playoff chase right now? Flyers are at a point in or, as an organization where they have way more prospects in college than they do in Canadian juniors right now. So we'll uh, take a look at the NCAA's, uh, which are you know starting to wind down toward the end of the regular season. Tournament time is going to be here before we know it. Who have been some of the standouts at the collegiate level for the Flyers this year in terms of uh, draft picks that they've got playing there? Well, and uh, you know they, there have been some injury issues there as well this season. Um, I, I I think Cam York. Um, unfortunately, I, I think his early season health issues might have played into why he played so little at the World Juniors. 
Um, he's going to be the only returning guy on that blue line. So, you know, it's a 19 year old's tournament, assuming that he goes back and he plays a sophomore year of college. Um, he's been really, he's, when he's been healthy, he's had a really solid freshman season. It's been a tough year for Michigan, but it's been for York an outstanding season. He's very consistent game in and game out. Everybody talks about his, his offensive game, you know, York's potential to be a, uh, a power play quarterback kind of, um, player you know on on the ice um play all really he's a guy oh i think he's going to play all sides of special teams um i think in the nhl level could be an 18 20 minute a night guy who uh who sees a lot of power play time so he's he's coming along at a really at a really solid clip um again there were some health issues in the first half of the season i, I think york has been really really good um you can't only look at the stats um bobby you know bobby brink who was a had a really solid World Juniors, even though he was in a fourth line role, and and then plus power play time on top of that. Um, that is a really competitive young man, uh, very highly skilled player, uh, and uh, he he's a guy who has you know you hear there's a lot of players that age has to get bigger and stronger. He's the smallest player on the ice many games. He's really you know he's about the same size as Caulfield, so. You know that's uh, that's going to be a little bit of a process with him. That's a guy who's worth getting excited about, though, because he's uh, he's he's a guy who has an, an it factor to him. Certainly, he's a very smart player, very skilled player. Um, that's been a very pleasant thing to watch this season. And then finally, you know, two two other guys kind of come to mind. Or three, maybe. Um, uh, I would say the Wade Allison is finally healthy again. He's in his senior year, but he, the last two and a half years has, have been spent trying to get well again after an, after an ACL tear. It took him about 18 months to feel like himself again, and he's been on a goal-scoring tear. And that, that's a big power forward with a heavy shot. Um, he's getting hot at just the right time. Um, in, in talking with Brent Flair, and, and uh, I know Chuck Fletcher mentioned it as well, the organization feels confident they can get him signed and also get Tanner Lashinsky signed as senior for uh, Ohio State. Uh, he can play center. He can play wing. He can play. Uh, he's a guy you can move as a pro. A guy you can move around your line. Maybe more of a bottom six kind of guy, but brings size. Brings a well schooled, you know, kind of game. Maybe not the fastest guy, but a very smart hockey player with a, with a little bit of offense to his game as well. For uh, you know, potentially as a pro. Um, so those are those are all guys that I, I think are you know we're going to be hearing a lot of about uh you know beyond the season particularly those two seniors i just talked about and Wyatt Kalinick is uh a junior defenseman but a little bit of an older one uh, playing for wisconsin and um, that's a guy who might quite possibly turn pro after the season as well um very good uh he's always been a power play guy there i think maybe maybe more of a puck mover skates very well his defensive game uh, was probably what he had to work on the most which he has done um, that's a guy who I think you could see, you know, a, a year from now from the Phantoms, and I mean, we're, we're just kind of scratching the surface here, just because there's so many names the Flyers have in uh, the collegiate ranks. I think it's at least ten guys. Well, that's about all the time we have for this first edition of the Prospect Pipeline. When we come to you next time, we'll be getting a lot closer to tournament time for those NCAA guys, and we'll see where the Flyers are at as well in terms of their overall playoff race. It's going to be a dogfight right down to the end, and some of those prospects 
down with the Phantoms might come into play as the playoffs draw near. So we'll see how that goes. Bill, thanks for joining us here, and uh, we'll uh, look to talk with you again in a few weeks. Absolutely. Don't forget to check out all our other podcasts here on the Flyers Broadcast Network. You can subscribe to all of them by going to flyersbroadcastnetwork.com. Just follow the links there. And don't forget our online channel, Flyers Radio 24-7, where we've got all Flyers games and a whole lot of Phantoms games live, and we have replays of those as well. You can check all of that out as well at the Flyers Broadcast Network. And you can follow that channel on Twitter at Flyers Broadcast Network. So we've, uh, we'd love to see you come by there and uh, join us here for the stretch run. For Bill Meltzer, I'm Brian Smith. Thanks for joining us, everybody. The preceding program is an original production of the Flyers Broadcast Network. You can find this and other programs available on demand at FlyersBroadcastNetwork.com.